Hey there, humanoids. This is David Shoemaker here with a very exciting announcement. Your favorite wrestling podcast feed, The Ringer Wrestling Show, is now going daily. And you can hang out with me and Kaz on Mondays and Thursdays for The Masked Man Show. And you can join me, Peter Rosenberg, alongside stack guy Greg and Dip every Tuesday with Cheap Heat. And on Fridays, I'll welcome a friend or special guest from the world of wrestling. And on Wednesdays, we have a very special new show called Wednesday Worldwide that you're going to want to check out. Pay-per-view reaction, one-of-a-kind interviews, fantasy booking, talking about bagels. That's what we do here on the Ringer Wrestling Show. Follow the show now on Spotify and do us a favor. Give us five stars. And do us another favor and uh, stay mage. It's One Shining Podcast presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 or older and president select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Well, today's episode of One Shining Podcast, I am in Asheville, North Carolina, and I am recording some promo stuff for the Asheville Championship 2023 edition. Four good teams in the field, and the bracket reveal will be coming out later this week. But today we got Kyle Mann on the show. We're going to talk about Team USA, our first impressions, our takeaways, some of the big picture, you know, forecasting what we're expecting to see from the World Cup performance of this team in particular. Maybe we'll talk about Kate Cunningham a little bit, maybe Jalen Duran. I don't want to talk about the Pistons too much, but I kind of like the young core. Shout out to our guy, Troy Weaver. Uh, we're also going to talk about it's basketball camp corner season. We got Stephen Curry's camp, CP3's camp, Dame Lillard. Um, there's just, you know, some nice little news stuff that's coming out of those basketball camps. We love talking about that sort of stuff. Also, shout out to the Pac-4, um, Cal, Stanford, Washington State, Oregon State, the four teams that remain in the Pac-12. If you're coming for conference realignment, um, we're talking Team USA basketball today, but we are going to hit the conference realignment beat later this week on Thursday. We're going to have some experts come in, try to sift through all this and figure out what's going on with conference realignment. Again, I am, uh, I'm running on fumes a little bit, folks, uh, to break the fourth wall for you. Just went on a bachelor party um, for one of my best friends from college. We were in Puerto Vallarta. I flew back to Los Angeles, then flew across the country to Asheville, all within like a 30-hour period, it seems. So it's a uh, it's a bit of a whirlwind, but again, luckily for us, we got Kyle Mann um, on the show. There is no producer Kyle. Kyle Crichton is not here. He is on vacation. He is in Poughkeepsie. He's playing music in his favorite bars. He's having a great time. We miss him so much, but we're so happy he finally gets a break from the grind. So shout out to our guy, Kyle. Hopefully, uh, maybe I'll send him a Venmo so he can, you know, a beer on us from all the friends of the program. Um, but look, I'm going to have to do this right now myself. So here it goes. But first, Woody Durham. Hey, 
Welcome back to One Shining Podcast. I am your host, Tate Frazier. And as always on Mondays, I am joined by your guy, America's guy, and my man, Kyle Mann. Um, great to see you and great to have you back on the podcast. If you can't tell by my voice, I have been on quite the journey all across. Uh, I just came back from a bachelor party in Puerto Vallarta. I went from there to Los Angeles for about 10 hours and then went straight from here to Asheville, North Carolina. I am in Asheville right now. It's 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. And the good news is that myself and Kyle Mann, we are on the same time zone for the first time in a long time. And I just want to say, Kyle Mann, it's a little late. So I, I apologize when I make you record at this hour because I am not 100% right now. And uh, it might get a little wacky. It might get a little wonky in here. But first and foremost, how are you doing on this Monday night? I'm doing okay. You know, you might notice it's a little darker in here. My uh, my son was kind of, <laughs> he's doing this, um, I don't know, when you're a parent, you never want to assume you're out of the woods on any kind of process. I don't know if you're planning on having kids, Tate. I've learned this. This is my first kid. Um, and, you know, we thought we were over like the, the sleep regression stuff. He's started taking nightlights out of my room. So it's darker in here is the roundabout point that I'm making. So I kind of look like the undead, <laughs> you know, at night. My complexion doesn't do well in the glow of a laptop screen, um, you know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, it's good to That's see why you. This is a podcast, baby. <laughs> I, I always describe my complexion as formaldehyde. Uh, yeah, I was going to say you, you do. You know, I've done that cross country trip, and I was I was stalking you over Instagram a little bit. And I was like, well, you know, you didn't. We tell each other a lot, but I didn't. You didn't tell me you were going, and I was just. Uh, I saw, and I was like, this dude's traveling again. Like, what kind of life is this guy living? Like, the figures network. I don't know what what kind of figures are going on in Tate's life that he can travel like this all the time. <laughs> I'm jealous. Vocally, you sound a little fried. You sound you sound like you're mm. like a champ basically this is flu game if i have to be pipping you know if you need to if i know you're all about the jordan references those are the things that like i try to every conversation we have <laughs> i try to tie go. everything to jordan so that you can come along with me right you know if i'm like hey this uh this hot brown uh, this kentucky dish is great and you're like oh uh that sounds okay i'm like it's like 82 jordan tate and tate's like yeah he nods mm. knowingly anyway it's good to see you i'm I, I appreciate your valiant effort though you know i like that i like your your hustle that's you're known for your hustle tate and you're living up to your reputation yeah if you've seen the movie barbie when they ask ken what his job is and he says beach my job was club and uh, i was at a bachelor party and uh, it was a bunch of smart north carolina kids that went to new york and you know when you're not in the business of media you make a lot of money cow man and uh, you get to have bachelor parties in puerto Vallarta. i get to tag along um, but i'm exhausted but it also was a great time and the beauty of it all even though i was kind of out of touch as far as you know what was happening in the world I was still locked in on what was happening with Team USA because that is always my top priority. What is happening with Team USA basketball? That's where super teams are built. That's where drama, you know, kind of ensues. And it's also the the proving ground for a lot of players to let people know, quote unquote, I am him, right? That's what we learn with USA basketball. And the good news for you and I, Kyle, man, because we are, you know, FIBA guys. We like FIBA basketball. I like to say that, you know, college is a different sport from the NBA. FIBA is a different sport than the NBA. And that's why when Dame Lillard plays in the FIBA world, it looks a little bit different than Dame Lillard when he's playing on the Portland Trailblazers, right? Different rules, different physicality. We'll talk about all that. But first, let's talk about one of my favorite things in basketball, and that's the drama, because we got drama from day one at camp. There's been a lot of people talking about Grant Hill's first USA basketball roster that he put together. He says it has a high IQ, very cerebral, quote unquote, good guys. We do like good guys. But the select team led by Cade Cunningham, 
reportedly beat them on Friday. And that was the start of the drama because then ensues the hate it, right? I mean, the haters come flying in. They see that these guys lose to the select team. They start looking at the select team roster. They see Langston Galloway on the graphic. They say, these guys just beat our quote-unquote top guys. Names like Trey Young are thrown out. The battle of the brands comes back into the fold. People are talking about Nike. Are they are they holding out the top Adidas guys? But let's start about Friday night. When you heard the news, the select team won. What was your first thought? Uh, historically, this is the way it goes. That was my first thought. Um, if you look back, I, I think the select team is an interesting just sort of snapshot of eras overlapping a lot of times. Like if you go back and look, yeah, right. you know, the 92 ch- dream team, you know, which was my, I've said this on podcasts here and there over the years that that was sort of my basketball big bang moment. That was when I like really, you know, I, I was originally like an Atlanta Braves. I like totally bought into like the Sports Illustrated for Kids propaganda of like, okay, you know, David Justice, all that stuff. And then this basketball thing comes into my life and I'm like, hey, I'm terrified of that hard ball. That bigger ball that bounces, it's more my speed. Got into it, really got into it, Tate. <laughs> That's kind of the way it went down. But I, I remember, I love watching those documentaries every time it comes out, but they always talk about the select team during that summer. And that select team was interesting because they had Penny Hardaway, Grant Hill, the guy still still right. in the family, uh, at that time was a part of those Duke teams, you know. And then uh, Allen Houston, Jamal Mashburn, Chris Weber. So we got multiple Hall of Famers on that team, and they beat them though. Famously, they beat them. They made you know they made the '92 team, which had like you know pantheon players on it, like so not just Hall of Famers, like tippy tippy top. And and you go back through it, it's like in 1996 there was a team that had Tim Duncan on it, who looked like the best player on the floor at times. Uh, Paul Pierce, mm-hmm. Chauncey Billups was actually in that game. 2008, Lamarcus Aldridge, Kevin Durant, Al Horford, Iguodala, Jay Mayo, Derrick Rose. Uh, 2012 had a really good team. Bo- I, I appreciate that you mentioned OJ Mayo, by the way, because I think a lot of people forget that OJ Mayo, by all accounts, people said he was the best player when he was in that you know Team USA environment. So yeah, just uh, I respect the respect. Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I, you know I'm not trying to go like listify too much on you here, but I mean the t- the 2012 team was really good too. Boogie Cousins, DeRozan, Paul George, Kyrie, Kawhi, Clay, John Wall. Mm. And then the 2016, one of the one of the weaker ones, Brogdon, Booker, KCP, Willie Cauley Stein, Aaron Gordon, Brandon Ingram, who's on this team, which segues to now. Um, you know, they did beat them. I watched as much footage as I could, uh, which is sort of a talking point I know that we're gonna hit on. Uh fired that up. I mean, there was like I fired it up and yes, Kate, let's talk about Cade first. Cade did look good. Um, he just looked his pace looked good. He looked comfortable against those really good players. He he didn't get sped up at any time. Which in you know you you heard the reports that uh, Kerr had had Jamal Mosley work with with Cade about emulating the the Luka Doncic role, who's going to be playing for Slovenia in this event, uh, which I loved. Which you know coming in a lot of that was overblown. I think like Cade projecting as like a Luka type. I think if you really paid attention, he's not quite the same like scoring monster that Luka is. He's also not the same. They're they're different players, but stylistically they sort of touch on similar touchstones but they did beat them yeah and and, and um i think the u.s tra- in transition just to, you don't want to over break down a scrimmage but i mean in transition they look pretty sloppy they got caught on their heels a lot um and i think you know and they made a tweak and they came back and won the game um my initial reaction to when i saw the roster was i figured and you can wait you can tell me what you think about this I figured the way to go would be go dual point guard, go Brunson, Halliburton, 
go Mikhail Bridges, go Brandon Ingram, go Triple J. I thought that that would probably be their crunch time lineup. And a lot, I mean, the natural kind of like pushback that I got was from the Anthony Edwards crowd. Um, uh, what would be your starting lineup from that? Do you think they're handling it right? I'm not trying to take over your show, Tate, but I figured this is what needed to be talked about. <laughs> well, this you this is a great first impression because I think that is right, really the story here because when we didn't know what to expect because this is Grant Hill's first roster, we didn't even know who the starters were going to be, but we figured out this. Steve Kerr loves Jalen Brunson, right? So Jalen Brunson is a lock. He is the leader of this team. He has been designated the leader of this group, right? That they keep talking about how he's get, put people in the right positions, right? So he's America's point guard. We got that figured out. We got Jaron Jackson Jr. figured out, right? He is going to be the big that is used. He's going to be the rim protector. I was a little interested by Jalen Duran on the select team. I thought Jalen Duran looked great. I thought he looked very physical and he looked so good to me. You may think to yourself in the back of your mind, would it be nice to have that on our bench? And that's not a knock on Walker Kessler. I think Walker Kessler is a nice you know, addition to this team also can add some rim protection, but FIBA is different than the NBA. And uh, I think Jalen Duran might be a nice piece. So that that was kind of the story to me. Immediately when you heard the news, I go and I watch the first like, you know, couple possessions of the game. Cade Cunningham looked like he saw America's point guard Jalen Brunson and said, I have five inches on this guy and I'm going to let him know that, right? He's going to feel that size difference. And then in my head, my wheels are spinning and I'm like, I wish that we had some size at point guard with this group. And a, a name in the back of my mind was, you know, maybe Drew Holiday would have been a good option. And then you're saying to yourself, Cade would have been a great option because Cade is that kind of big guard that you really need. Um, or it's nice to have in your arsenal, I should say. They don't really need it. But anyways, Brunson and, and Cade, that matchup was fascinating to me when I first saw the, the start of the scrimmage. Cade comes down, hits a nice little bucket. Um, like you said, great pace from the elbow. Basically got the ma the matchup that he wanted, handled business. Looked like he was supposed to be on the team. And I think that's what I liked about the first scrimmage, that you know the select team felt like they took it personally. And the starting five for Team USA... I thought Brandon Ingram was going to be the KD role. I thought he was going to be the stretch four. I thought they were going to play through Ingram a little bit. But the way that they started out, the starting five, you have Cam Johnson playing that role. That didn't really – I like the way that Cam looks, but that didn't really work out in the first game. They lose. They come back. Anthony Edwards gets put in the lineup. And that kind of comes back to the conversation about branding because Gilbert Arenas, who we, you know, we, we keep up with what Gilbert has to say these days, Gilbert said – that Adidas um, is upset because Trey Young is not on this team. But talking about mismatches, Trey Young's going to be a defensive liability at times in the FIBA game. Um, so that's a whole nother thing. But an Adidas guy doesn't start in game one. I wonder if that's Steve Kerr trying to, to get Anthony Edwards' attention maybe a little bit. Because, right, the, the, the hoop heads that we have out here, they all think Anthony Edwards is going to be the, the franchise player of this team. And that's what you said about, you know, your lineup, your crunch time lineup. It doesn't include Anthony Edwards, but yet we're supposed to be saying Ant-Man is the leader of this American team. He's the future of the franchise. Um, he's supposed to be that guy. And that might not be the case with what the team that Steve Kerr is trying to, and Grant Hill is trying to put together, which is why this whole thing is very fascinating. And you can make the ar argument one way or the other. But it is like obvious when Cade started out that game, you're saying, oh, I wish that we I wish we had this guy playing. You know what yeah. I mean? That, I think that was my my first takeaway in the scrimmage. I'm like, he would be a really nice piece. 
And I think that's good news when you forecast the future for Kate Cunningham in general. Yeah, I, and I thought Kate too had. Uh, I'll I'll hit on Ant in a second. Um, uh, Kate, I thought had really awesome, obvious, instant uh, chemistry that he just picked up immediately with Jalen Duran. I mean that that I agree with you that like Duran Duran and Walker Kessler are like different tools, you know, in terms of like what types of rim rim protectors they are, you know, like he's more exactly. of a you know. Durant can play a lot of different styles. I mean, what is he? Nineteen years old now. Um, he's he's still a baby. But uh, Kessler, it would be it would be nice to have an, a big athletic, another big athletic big like that out there, like like Durant. Um, and you know, I had a lot of when I initially tweeted that people were acting like I was crazy, like not having Ant in there. I think more of you just got to kind of think about the pluses and the negatives. I was thinking that um, the the obvious thing is that like in terms of like the shot creation talent on this team. It's Ant. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any question. I mean, he's just uber, uber, super through the roof talented. He's going to be able to get to his shot. Getting to your shot and, and w- what is going to be effective for them playing together can be two different things. Because we saw American basketball get in trouble when they over-pursued that mindset. If you think about back like in the you know the, it started really after the 2000 games where we i feel like americans like the american game was just like all right we got the torch back we can kind of relax a little bit and basketball started <laughs> right. to shift analytics started to push basketball into more of this like pace and space fours the role of fours we saw that you know the international game sort of dictated and predicated that with dirk they were ahead of us in a lot of different ways in terms of like utilizing ball screens, actions that flowed into side ball screens, things like that. And we got caught flat footed in a lot of, you know, a lot of the ISO heavy American game. Um, I'm not saying that this is what would happen with Ant. Ant is a, he has the ISO game, but he's also a product of the thing today. But I think more of my thing was like, um, I think the stability of that core group there, I thought that they would be a nice two way. Not that Ant can't guard, but I, I thought that he would probably be best served in that like Dwayne Wade six man role, like on the, the Redeem team. The yeah. way Dwayne Wade came in, Russell and, Westbrook, yeah, just yeah. destroyed the game at different points. You have your set thing, and it was like putting playing him in that spot isn't necessarily an indictment on his value. That said. The Olympics perennially, not perennially, uh, you know, every every so often, what is even the word for it? Every so often when they do this, it is a nice, it is a nice sort of like thing to have in your portfolio in your journey to become a star because we've seen this over and over again. We saw Kevin Durant really establish himself in the in in the in the twenty. Uh, I guess in the 2012 Olympics, was he even? I'm trying to think. He was in that FIBA tournament just before that. He kicked ass, didn't he? I'm pretty. The, the 2010 tournament is when it started, right? He and that was him playing that stretch four role because that really is where the space can be found in the FIBA game, and that's why a guy like Brandon Ingram, you would think, you know, he's obviously compared to Kevin Durant a lot, has is a shot creator, can spread the floor, and he's going to have an athletic mismatch probably there at the four. Um, you know, where he's going to have a quicker first step and be able to do damage just like KD did. But KD said hello to the world in 2010 in that in that in the world games. And then he goes in 2012 and he's playing with the the real ones, you know, the the LeBrons and, and the D-Wades and, and the Carmelos, because we got to give Carmelo his due. But that's really when I think. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think that's the other part of this whole this whole journey, too, with this group. It's like everybody's trying to figure out who's going to be the guy quote unquote and you know it's funny after the scrimmages you know anthony edwards said the guy the best player in camp to him was josh hart i talked to a source at camp they said the best player in camp was jaron jackson 
right? And then I saw, you know, there was other people that came out and said Jaron Jackson was probably the right answer, right? So they're 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 still trying to figure out who is the guy. And the worst thing that could happen is you go into the FIBA tournament, you're playing hot potato, your turn, my turn. Mikel Bridges is trying to have to, you know, he's having to initiate offense. He's playing a little bit different than, you know, he probably wants to play sometimes. Um, and they look out of sorts. That would be the, the, the real fear for me with this group. And even a guy like Halliburton, I love his talent, right? But I hope that he can be utilized in the proper way, right? I, Correct? I'll, I'll say this. Don't be surprised if Halliburton emerges in this event. Don't be surprised. Mm. He's, got a, he's got an international translatable. And, and by, by obviously the fucking comedy of saying don't be surprised if he emerges. The dude just signed a max deal. I'm not saying he's going to. I'm not saying he's going to. Yeah, we saw the balloons. <laughs> we saw the balloons. Yeah, man. Just an unsung hero to the tune of $260 million. <laughs> uh, no, he's, he's not going to be like bursting on the scene. I just mean within the dynamic of this team. I think, dude, you're absolutely right. Like, I mean, like in terms of like you get into these situations where it's like you have this much talent. Sometimes if they're all ready to do, they're all ready to go. There is a everyone being just unselfish to a fault is a bad thing. I think you saw some of that with the OA team, like the overpassing. And then you get against these teams that have identities that play together. Some of these guys have been playing together since like grade school. They know each other. They flow into offenses it's just like they just pick right up whereas our guys they know each other they you know we've seen the usa camp the kids get in there pretty young and they kind of know each other but they're not playing there's so much talent in the american pool that it really mixes and matches every year and the guy we have really good guys who are eager to play in the event and we're seeing that with this you know a josh hart playing on this team uh it's a big deal for him and he deserves it but you you get into this event and it's like you do need to kind of have like, okay, this is the person that we're going to. They're going to take tough shots. They're going to they're going to do that, and uh, I, I think that's an important thing for them to figure out. Speaking of JJJ, like um, he's just perfect for this for this event. Uh, I hope I hope he's a guy that I, I want to see break through because um, I just uh, I, I think he fits the mold. Like hopefully he shoots well enough to kind of do both the things that he does well and, and and stays out of foul trouble too. I guess right. Yeah, that's the real thing with him. And and that's why I think Duran would actually be a real piece. I wonder, I mean, it's nice to have the select team and, you know, just in case, you know, something were to happen. But uh, in general, I just wonder sometimes if it wouldn't be nice to have a guy like Duran behind, you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. So he doesn't have to do all the grunt work. And, you know, I think Walker Kessler is a really talented, gifted player. And I think he can actually thrive in the FIBA game. But he's also, he's a little green, right? And I think he's going to come into these games, maybe not assert himself as he normally would, as he did, you know, in his rookie year in the NBA. Um, so that's something that you you concern yourself with a little bit. And this team needs the toughness, but that goes back to the original point. We do have a point guard, um, and it is such a pivotal position, especially when you go play real basketball, which I think FIBA is more you know akin to the spirit of real basketball than maybe the NBA is at this point at times. Um, and having a guy like Jalen Brunson to put people in the right positions is a good thing. I do worry about the mismatch on the other end of the court, but also Jalen competes. Um, Josh Hart, same thing for him. I know this team is going to have some heart and they're going to compete. And the only thing that can really happen with this group is you go up against a team like Canada that has Shea Gilgis Alexander, that has Jamal Murray. They have, you know, the play. I mean, that they're going to have a better backcourt than the U.S. You know what I mean? I think that's the other fascinating part about this team and this group too, is that they may play a backcourt that is on paper 
probably better than them. And that I can't think of many times where, you know, the guard play somewhere else is actually better than the U.S. I mean, Carlos Arroyo, right, is from the Puerto Rico game. We, we all go back to when he, you know, went off. But there, there was all types of problems with that 0-4 team. And we all know about Jason Kidd and all that other stuff. But in general, um, I, I just think that'll be fascinating. And you hope that Brunson's leadership, I think that's why they keep hammering that point home. Steve Kerr did it. Grant Hill did it. Ty Lue did it. Spolstra did it. Um, you know, even Mark Few was talking about being around Brunson. It's so refreshing to see it like a, a old school leader like him. I think that is a he's a real key in that in that way. And I hope that he gets empowered in that way. And it seems like he is. And that's why Trey Young, all the Trey Young talk. Trey Young is so gifted and so talented, but he's not that, right? And I think that's what the makeup of this group needs. They need someone that is going to get in the huddle and chant one, two, three, USA, and tell people where to go, and you know, pat you on the ass, slap your hand, tell you good shot, bad shot, let's get it together, let's run it up. And that's what Brunson. Can are you trying to say team. Trey Young's not American and not patriotic, Tate? Is that are you gatekeeping him on that front? I. I just think that the idea, and I love the conspiracies, especially when it comes. You to You love brands. the brand I mean, cabal. I just think the idea, like you're all about you're all, you're uh, yeah. all about the highest well, the well, highest well, levels, the the <laughs> stuff that's 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 happening. You're like, uh, I don't know if you watched Hijack. You're all you're like, there's some there's some British guy sitting in a pub that's been closed off to the public, who's like tra- takes a sip of his Guinness and he's like, Trey Young's not on the <laughs> national team. You, I, I feel like you secretly wish that this existed. I like the idea that came out about, you know, Adidas is getting, you know, held out of the situation because we all know, you know, Nike, when Michael Jordan, as soon as Michael Jordan took the American flag Here we go. You know, in Barcelona Here we go. <laughs> and, and, and covers and covers, you know, you know, the other brand that's on his chest to make sure that he's never in anything except for Nike. That started this brand war that we we're all a part of. So I understand why Nike would want to box out Adidas. I'm just saying as far as team building, what Grant Hill and Steve Kerr is thinking about, they're not thinking about who who's wearing what shoes and, and what brands are involved. Nike might be trying to infiltrate that, but I think they really just want a cold, a stone cold killer in the backcourt. Jalen Brunson is that guy. I hope that he can play at that level, um, but he definitely can lead at that level. Did I ever tell you about like the one of the like almost like one of the biggest p- potential scores like sneaker wise? This is Olympic related that I ever had. This is a random one. I used to work at a shoe outlet over here in Kentucky, and um, there was a guy who would like one of the main like Nike clearance stores. I think was in Memphis, and there was this guy that I knew that would mm. come up and wholesale buy stuff from our store. He would come in before the store would open and really c- pick us over. There were there were people who like had this conspiracy theory at the Zappos outlet whether it was picked over. It was guys. Everybody that complained about that, we lied to you. <laughs> it was picked over. So this guy would come in with a trailer, buy up all the Nike Air Max, all the awesome stuff. And I got talking to him one day, and I was like, uh, he was telling me he went to Memphis, and this was in two thousand eight. He was like, he had gone to Memphis and gotten this pallet. And he was like, you're not going to believe this, Kyle. He was like, he knew I was a big basketball fan. He goes, I got a pallet. Yeah, right. He said, it's remained Olympic. Uh, it was like hyperdunks or something. And uh, he had this really amazing accent. And he was just telling me, um, he was like, I'm going <laughs> to sell them for like 300 bucks a pop. Like he, he said he was just going to list them all on eBay. We're talking about this is like. All the big stars. I mean, he had like all these like remainder shoes that he had left over, but I was so broke at the time. It was honestly torture, Tate. It was like me as a sneakerhead, me as somebody yeah. who loves. It's just dangling, <laughs> yeah, dangling the carrot in front of you. Like you could have this amazing thing that you wanted, but sorry. Yeah, that sounds terrible. But I lo- I also, I love that, yeah. you know, that there it are It might have even been higher that than that. that kind of it, 
Yeah, yeah. It might have even been higher than that, or it was. It, it might have even been like it was some obscene amount of money. It was like P. It was PEs mm-hmm. is basically what it was. And he told me he didn't know what he had, but he was like, "I got a guy who said I could charge this much," and I was just like, "Oh my god!" It was agony. Anyway, that that I think about that guy all the time. If he's out there uh, still selling, I need to find him again. Anyway, yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, I feel good. I mean, about the, this team's chances, but. You're right. I mean, the Canadian backcourt is just, I mean, can you in terms of scoring, I mean, it's really hard to argue that they're they are they the best offensive backcourt in the whole tournament? I mean, if you're looking at I mean, abso- absolutely. I mean, if you if you look at the odds, Canada's, you know, they're like plus 460. Um, so they're the second favorites to win the tournament. The U.S. is at minus 115. And then the next closest team is Australia at plus 1,000. I mean, it's basically this is going to be a, a, a battle of two North American countries. It's going to be Canada versus the U.S. We've seen this coming since we heard about this kid, Maple Jordan, coming out of Huntington, West Virginia. As soon as Andrew Wiggins kind of came into the fold about 10 years ago now, which is crazy, yeah. um, you know, back in 2013. But as soon as that was, you know, now we're a decade later. And as much as, you know, Wiggins did have a great run last year, he's not even, you know, a part of the situation. It's the guy that just won an NBA championship at Jamal Murray and a guy who was just first team all NBA and Shea Gilgis-Alexander and probably one of the best young talents in the game as far as the guard position. So it it's fascinating because this USA team, I think that if, if they don't win the tournament, there's going to be a lot of people, the haters are going to come out and say it was a bad roster and, you know, they should have had this guy. Um, they needed this. They needed that. It's happened before. It happened in 04 um, because Tim Duncan and Allen Iverson are the captains. Their styles didn't really mesh. They were coming off 9-11. They were staying on the Queen Mary. Um, they had gunboats around them. I mean, it, it was a lot of drama that was happening. The team had a lot of, you know, division. Kobe didn't play in that because of his off-the-court issues, right? So there was just a lot going on with that team. I think this team is going to be pretty tight-knit. I think they're going to be young. And I think they just – the reason why they could lose this tournament is because – they are green and they're getting their footing. It's not because they're a bad, a badly constructed roster. I think that they have all the holes that you need. They have shooting. They have rim protection. They have guard play. They have some toughness, right? They have some X-factor glue guys like a Josh Hart. They they kind of – like my biggest thing is, you know, and Grant Hill's a Duke guy, so you know it's coming from a good place. I think Grant did a good job based on who said yes. I really do. <laughs> and I think I wanted to reiterate that point. I think he did a good job. Based on who said I really yes, do. how flattering. Yeah. <laughs> um, Based on who said yes. I know, I know. I, I mean, it's true. It is, I know. If Kate, if Cade Cunningham says yes, he's on this team. Two, two, and I think seeing Cade Cunningham would be nice. Two quick things. I want to say something here. I've been like consistently over, I think, the past year and a half. I think it's from something I said on Ben Taylor's pod where we were talking about Cade Cunningham. And then and then recently, I have these Pistons fans that grumble at me that I'm not on like Team Cade. My answer to that is you got to be kidding me. You got to be kidding me. You need to go back and dig in the receipts. I was so early talking about Cade. I just, I, I, this is an impromptu get that, get that out of my face, Tate. I just don't even want to hear that. I've been so <laughs> pro. I just don't even, don't even bring that my way, Pistons fans. I don't, you can, you can get on me for not mm-hmm. talking about Asar or my article, but just give me a break with that. Anyway, I was going to say another one. Um, <laughs> Australia, I think, has a sneaky sort of uh, good backcourt situation here. I mean, Dyson Daniels and Josh Giddy, Josh Green, 
Uh, and then you got Patty Mills, mm. the uh, Meals. I almost Kentuckyfied that really heavily when I said that. Uh, <laughs> Patty Meals. Uh, we love Patty Meals, man. He's a good player. Bad boy can shoot the ball. Uh, he's a, he's a heck of a player, man. I don't like many guys from down under, but that boy can shoot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but they they have an interesting little collection here. I was going to ask you: Is there a team that you think is maybe getting overinflated in this event that maybe isn't quite, um, you know, because Canada? We gave them the legit test, you know. They they sent their they sent in their application and we stamped it legit. Uh, how are you feeling about? Mm-hmm. Is there any other team that you think needs to take that we need to like litigate the, their legit test at all? I think France is the one, and, and I feel like that the odds makers and the powers that be have not figured out that Victor Wimbanyama is not going to play on this team. And I do want to say a caveat at the top. I think Rudy Gobert is a much better FIBA player than he is an NBA player. I mean, as much as you know, people talk about how that trade was abysmal and all that sort of stuff, if you watch Rudy Gobert play FIBA basketball, you can see why teams would think, oh, we, this is a winner. This is a guy that can actually help us win a championship. He's a real force um, because the rules in FIBA favor, favor Rudy Gobert really well. Um, so I think France with Rudy Gobert will be nice, but Wimbenyama's not going to play. They are the fourth favorites right now, plus 1,200 to win the tournament. I do think that people, just because of the the way our brains work, we watched France beat the U.S. in 2019 um, in the World Cup before the seventh place finish. Um, and everyone says, well, that's probably going to be the same thing that we're dealing with here, you know, right? The, the France has got to be good. We just saw them. And France has been good, right? Batum, Tony Parker, all the different eras. Boris Diaw, my guy. A um, lot of good players through the years in France. But I just think they're overvalued at this point. Um, I could talk myself into, you know, I could talk myself into Slovenia. I could talk myself into – and if Giannis was playing for Greece – or Jokic was playing. Like if, if you have those type of, of of star, that elite, elite level, and they have the desire for that country pride. I mean, as much as America, it's almost like ironic, wink, wink, when people talk about, you know, American pride. And if you just watch the Women's World Cup, people were cheering for Sweden. So I don't I don't know where we stand right now on on the American pride part, but like in Serbia, that is a unified front, right? They they are all going to be, you know, paddling together trying to watch um, you know, a, a championship happened. So um, I just feel like Luca, because he's playing in this tournament, there, there is, I think they, they might be even undervalued. I would put their chances ahead of France just because of Luca's gravity and the fact that he's going to have a certain level of confidence playing FIBA basketball against all these guys he plays NBA basketball against. He's going to feel like he's playing home basketball. It's going to feel like he's playing on his home court and all these guys are coming over to play with him. So I, and the Philippines... I just know that they're going to go crazy over Luca, right? I mean, the, if you know anyone that is Filipino, they love basketball. Um, all they, the Filipino people in my life, I mean, they, they are the most diehard basketball fans, and they know, you know, they they know Dante Jones was on the 2016 Cavs championship roster. These are these are the guys that would be great at immaculate that's grid. That's right? literally these, what these I was going to say. I, we need we need to get the cumulative <laughs> immaculate grid like scoring out of there <laughs> of every can we country. Data scrape that. I'd like okay. to see. Can that, we get Elon to data scrape that? Um, that would be nice. Yeah, if you, <laughs> they're gonna love Luca. If you're looking, I, I'm I'm terrible at that game. Actually, I I really thought I'd be good at it. Maybe maybe I'm just like my fastball isn't as fast <laughs> on it. I don't know what's up with that. I, mean, I, I need to stop uh, wishing my life away and aging myself. I, my fastball is still fast as shit. Uh, no, I got a I got a good one today. Uh, the Mavericks league champ. 
Brendan Haywood, one percent. That was a nice one. It's pretty good. I mean? That was that was a that was a pretty good one. I also had Dante Jones today, two percent. Cleveland Cavaliers championship. That's why that was fresh in my mind. And then Jeff Teague, Bucks league champion. Great podcast. You know, those are my three today. I felt yeah. good about this. Who's Don, yeah, Dante great. Jones is coaching? Uh, he well, he was coaching a summer league team, wasn't he? Who's he coaching now? Is it South Bay? Who's he coach? I, I think yeah. so. Yeah, he's he's in the LeBron, you know, sphere of, you know, like he, he's in that world. So I think he's, he's probably that sounds right. He was, South Bay sounds he right. He was always so the guy on those out. Duke teams where I was just like this. I was always he was the guy I'd always just be like, God, like the the skill guys I could get over. Mm. But it was some, something about him. There was another. Um, I don't know. I don't want to get on that. I don't want to get you on the Duke thing either. I know uh, the, the Serbia. um Serbia, I looked it up. Population of Serbia, according to Google, 6.8 million. Um, you know, that's not that much more than Kentucky. That's we're talking this is a small place. This is a small place that produces mm. a lot of players. And you think about like the Philippines, I think that's the thing, is like they they really just they're missing the players, which you know what, maybe maybe we're just we haven't quite gotten it yet, but I feel like it's coming. Or if I'm forgetting, I know they they kind of claim Jalen Green. I know the Kai Soto thing. Maybe, maybe we're just kind of they're they're just like eager. They love basketball. I think you're 100 percent right about that. But if if Jokic were playing, I mean, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich is playing, and Poku. This might be a great Poku breakout event. We got Nikola mm. Jovic, and then uh, Philip Petrasev, who transferred away from uh, Gonzaga all those years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, they have some talent. I I just think if we're if we're looking at the France thing, I think you're right. I think their legit check is just sort of it's pending. Um, I don't know if it's fair for us to hold it pending, but that triumvirate of of Batum, who's getting a little longer in the tooth, obviously, and Fournier, and then and then Rudy uh, Fournier, who was talking shit about the Knicks, and then uh, Rudy Gobert, um, <laughs> it could work. I guess my other flip thing to you is um, is uh, and a lot more is going to go into it than just those three guys. Obviously, is uh, you were talking about Walker Kessler. I mean, we saw him sort of negate, or so, we saw him sort of like be sort of a totem of how bad the Gobert trade was. Uh, Walker Kessler, I mean, we might see him like really flourish in this style of play. He's, he's the same kind of dropping, park him at the rim, anchor big. I think once he starts to – I wonder how much he's practicing like getting it off the rim, you know, like you're allowed to. That's always the rule people always point to. Like, oh, you can get it off the rim in this game. Uh, there are a lot more rules. But, uh yeah, I'll be interested to see if he sort of flourishes in the in this setting, you know, when he's not playing American players. I I just think it's hard and it's tough to recalibrate with FIBA rules. I, that's why I say it's a different sport. And I think some of these guys that have kind of, you know, if you're Walker Kessler, as soon as he goes to North Carolina, he's, you know, locked in this system. And then he goes to Auburn and now they're trying to implement NBA stuff. Like he's got an NBA brain now. And I think he plays very, you know, well in the NBA structure and I just think he that's why I said about him being green. But you're right. If he does just pick it up quickly, he needs to play more. And I would love to see him play more. And then uh, you don't worry about a guy like Jalen Duran being there because Walker Kessler is going to be a nice backup big. You, we need size. I mean, the last time the team, you know, the USA team, we saw them at a high level. It's at the Olympics. JaVale McGee is there because they needed size. You know what I mean? And they they needed size, uh, you know, that was athletic and that could rim protect. And JaVale had played in the FIBA game before. So, I mean, and Walker's played USA basketball. So I think he will be fine. Um, did you think Jalen Green was a fair argument also? I talked about Trey Young. I know a lot of people talked about Trey Young. And then Cade, he was asked. He said no. So it's not like he was snubbed or anything. But Jalen Green was not asked. 
And I saw people saying that Jalen Green would be someone that would be nice on this team. But I feel like there would be a little bit of a redundancy there, right? Like, I mean, it's nice to have a scorer, but he wouldn't be one of those guys that you're like, what if we got Jalen Green on this team, right? Yeah, it's tough because I know they they really have a they obviously have a two way mindset with a lot of guys they picked. Even though Paolo kind of needs to come along defensively, I understand getting him this experience for that reason. Uh, Bridges, Brunson, Edwards has come along defensively. Josh Hart, you know Jackson, Kessler there, and then also playmaking. You know, so those are two things that it's like we know that we know that Jalen can go and get his own offense, but it's like they have a few of those guys that are the same age that give you a little more size. Um, I, I would assume those are the two two arguments for not having him on the squad if they wanted to do that. Another interesting thing too here is uh, just the Villanova presence on the team. I mean, we know Villanova overall, yeah. but if Villanova stylistically plays a sort of like flow style, spread it a lot of like pick and roll, like read react pick and roll concepts that are going to like really apply. I don't know about like the international games, like relationship to like how Jay Wright ran his program when he started, you know, back, back in the day, I'd be interested to know if that had any, if any international coaches had, um, we'll have to get Tommy to tell us. Um, Cause there is a sort of an interesting sort of like parallel there between those two. It's been wild to see all the coaching talent just on the sidelines of this thing. Spo supposed to send his red polo, just kind of off to the side, like argue, I think the best coach in the world right now. He's just kind of leaned back mm. to the side. I, I wonder what he's thinking a lot of times during some of these huddles with Kerr. <laughs> yeah, it is funny. Like that staff, like you said, I mean, it might be one of the best staffs we've ever. I mean, obviously, every USA staff has a lot of coaching talent, but even Ty Lu, I think Ty Lu is one of the best. Um, I don't know what, what's the best phrase for this, but like read and react coaches, right? Yeah. Like Ty Lu is a great, this matchup is getting exposed. Here is our counter. Here is our counter to their counter. You know what I mean? He's he's a great coach in, in in matchups in the moment, and he's also not afraid to tell you stop bullshitting around, right? I mean, that, I think that's what they also needed a little bit of with this coaching staff. And I think you're right. I think Spo is like sitting back a little bit, like um, you know, he's like a mastermind of sorts. I think Kerr is trying to be like the emotional cheerleader. Uh, I think Ty Lu is coming in saying this is what they're trying to do. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then I think Mark Few is kind of you know, they're in a supportive role, um, can step in individually with certain guys. But there's a lot of coaching talent that is right there. And I think they actually, in the same way that the team is constructed, I think the coaching staff is well constructed with roles of who does what. And if, if push comes to shove, Eric Spolstra is a great brain to have in the room. You know what I mean? Like if you're Steve Kerr and you're scrambling around a little bit with what you want to do, I mean, Jay Wright has also uh, always been a great presence. And as I was seeing all the pictures, Jay Wright's, you know, at practice, Bill Raftery's at practice, right? There's all the familiar faces. Even Chris Paul comes back. Kyle Lowry's there at practice, right? Old Villanova guard as well. Um, but I was thinking to myself, it would be really cool if Jay Wright's next gig was just to be the head coach of USA Basketball. That's all he does. He worries about USA basketball 24-7. He works with the U16. He works with the U18. He works with all of the younger kids in the program. And everybody likes Jay Wright. He has the Villanova connection. It would help Villanova recruiting. And uh, I think he's like a great face of the program. And, and I don't mean, obviously, don't want to talk about Kerr not having the job. But a lot of times the tradition is you coach one time and you're gone. The only reason that we have a different setup now with USA Basketball is because Coach K had to hoard the position for three different terms. And that was Jerry Colangelo, you know, initiating that whole we thing. Need, but in general, that, that's a new thing. 
We need term <laughs> yeah. limits. And uh, I think Jay Wright would be great. I think if I had to put like a, a succession plan together, Jay Wright's number one on my big board. So that that's a, you spoke, you spoke of Villanova. That was my, one of my other takeaways from the USA basketball coverage. I was like, Jay Wright, give this man the job. I just love somebody like being, uh, listening to take talk, uh, walking in and overhearing Tay talk about something and be like, in America, we need term limits. They'd be like, oh, you talk about like Mitch McConnell? Be, no, Coach K. Uh, yeah, I, I yeah, just, <laughs> USA basketball. <laughs> oh, I thought you were a serious person. Uh, apparently not. No, uh, Kerr has had uh, Kerr has had some K energy. I think it's been you know it's been interesting to just to see. You're right. It's whenever you get all these minds together, just kind of the dynamic is is interesting because it's like Pop comes in and it's like Pop's Pop. Like you know, nobody's really mm-hmm. the, his respect is just. He's on his own tier, his own echelon, right? If anything, there's like more of a reverence there from all the other coaches. It's obviously, you almost bend the knee, right? This is, uh, you, you know, he's on the iron throne. We give, we tip up our cap, you know what I mean? But Spolster probably thinks he's the best coach there. Ty Lue probably thinks he's the best coach there. Steve Kerr probably has a feeling that they think that. And he's like, no, I'm actually the one who's won the most championships here. You know what I mean? There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of underlying, you know, things that have been said. I mean, Ty Lue beat Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr beat Ty Lue. You know what I mean? There, there's there's a lot of there's a lot going on there, but it's nice when we're all rowing in the same direction. But that goes back to Serbia. They're all a unified front. Our team, you have your own personal agendas that are at play always. Uh, and, and that's why the USA team is always fascinating. Yeah, we had we also had uh, Tommy Lloyd over there talking to Jeff Van Gundy. I was just really enamored. Mm. I would love, you know, I don't know how much coaches are really like that. That's a world that I'm not really connected to uh, at all on a direct level. I'd just be curious to know, like, what you're talking about, like, what you're referring to if that is something that is on their minds if it's just like this fucking guy i need to be running this like i i'd I'd just be curious to know how much (laughs) how much of that is going on among the among the head coaches because you're right it's there's just a ton of talent in that room this episode is brought to you by netsuite by oracle as your business grows you might start seeing some lag there's too much work for your team too many different processes and it takes forever to close the books if this sounds like you you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and one. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less. And one, because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity 
on your real life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Yeah, and there's a, there's a ton of talent like in the coaching, you know, world of the US. I mean, and you know, there's been a lot of camps that have been happening. Bob McKillop was at Stephen Curry's camp. Now I want to talk about some basketball camps. I think, you know, the USA game, last thing for the U- the USA stuff. The game is on right now. It is 10:19 Eastern time. Kyle Mann and I are going to watch uh, the USA game and have some real takeaways. We'll see what happens with Puerto Rico. Um, but that's that's a whole different conversation. I think you and I, we want to stamp our, our corner here. We're going to do the World Cup coverage. We're going to talk about Team USA. Um, we're going to be there. I like FIBA basketball. It, it's it's a great brain exercise. You learn about players. So we'll, we'll have that locked down. But another corner I want to lock down for you and I is the basketball camp corner. I um, You're a purveyor of basketball camps. I love basketball camps. I love the brand involvement in basketball camps. Um, I did a series on the five-star basketball camp. I went to Roy Williams basketball camp. I went to Skip Prosser basketball camp. I went to Bob McKillop basketball camp. And then I saw a clip of our guy, Bob McKillop. And Bob McKillop was talking about guards. And, uh, you know, you want guards from the city because when they're walking through the city, you know, they they have the spatial awareness. Their eyes are moving. It was like this, you know, and it, it just kind of beckons back to these old school, like, basketball clinicians. And, you know, basketball camp is just like, a, it just gives you, like, a certain feeling, like early morning smells, putting your shoes on, the squeaks in the gym. It's just it's just a certain feeling. When you heard Bob McKillop, this clip that got circulated, he was at Steph Curry's camp. Hold on. And he's talking about guards and being in the city. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. no, I, I can't. I gotta, I can't walk past early morning smells. I, I can't. What What are those? What are what are we talking? What, are, what to you? What just, are early morning just, smells taste? Just, just the gym in the morning. You uh, know what I mean? When you walk in and it's just like a fresh gym. I mean, obviously the grass as you walk up, a little dew on the grass. I don't yeah, know. It's just d- like a, you're you're staying in a dormitory on a campus. It's like you're a young kid, but you're on a college campus. I don't know. There's like a there's, there's just like a certain feel about the whole thing. There's like a little bit of anxiety about like these random kids that are going to be on your team. Um, unless you came, sometimes you go to camp with your team, but um, a lot of times, you know, I'd go to camp with one other roommate and then sometimes we were a year apart. So then we're in different groups, you know I mean? There, the, there's just a lot to the basketball camp experience we can get into, re- but in general, I don't know if morning smells is the best description, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, there's a vibe. <laughs> Didn't want to derail there's a, you. There's just an energy to it. You're just you know spitting. what I mean? I'm in the camp. We're, yeah. I mean, you don't basketball camp corner. You don't, you know, you don't stop, you know, you don't stop a poet when he's, when he's riffing, you know, maybe he says something that's, you know, I, I shouldn't have jumped in there. I'm really sorry. I just, I had to clarify because I figured maybe you'd have, I thought maybe you'd have an answer if there, there is a sort of a smell. No. Though. There is a sort of a smell. Like I went and played pickup at my old high school gym and, uh, B.O. probably. Well, it's probably, yeah, just years <laughs> of sweaty jerseys. A lot, watch, well, watching Kate, right. watching Cade pennies. Watching Cade emulate the uh, the the best player on the other team really brought back memories of high school for me because that was always my job right. when I was like a sophomore, <laughs> it's, which would make a lot of people mad. But anyway, scout yeah, team. Yeah. But it, no, I mean, um, you're right. You're right. I mean, I remember going to like I always went to like Tubby Smith camp. That was the one, and I would go with like a couple of my teammates, you know. And it was always you'd hear stories about Rick Patino like throwing the ball at people when they if they weren't paying attention during the talk. Uh, I never got to experience that one, but Tubby definitely had. I don't know if you had this experience. I want to get to the Bob McKillop story, but I don't know if you ever had this experience <laughs> yeah, of like. I remember Tubby would do this thing. 
where he was amazing. He was like the nicest dude. When he first took the job, I was there by myself before my buddy had gotten there. I've told the story before other places, but like I was sitting by myself in this lunchroom, very overwhelmed. I was probably like 12 years old, I think. And like, didn't know what to do. Was there by myself until my buddy got there. Toby Smith sat down with me in the, in the cafeteria and talked to me for like a half hour, asked me about my family, asked me about basketball and stuff like that. Maybe he was scared too, Tate. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we, but, but I've always had a lot of respect for that guy. But this doesn't negate the respect, but you see who they really are on occasion. And I don't know if you ever had this experience, but we were doing some drill with the high schoolers and Tubby got annoyed. It was like the seniors were also in the same gym with us on another court. And Tubby got annoyed with the effort level from the seniors and he switched into this is the real Coach Smith. He switched into Coach Smith. And I remember just being like, mm-hmm. oh, like it was like the, you just felt the fear of God in, in you. in you. And uh, I don't know. Have you, did you ever experience anything like that with the coaches? Like see, seeing like the raw personality coming out. That's the switch that they all have deep down inside of them. And, you know, a lot of the times, you know, they play Mr. Nice Guy. I mean, Skip Prosser was probably the nicest coach I've ever been around that had that switch still deep down. But he did the, the same move. Like he would every single day uh, at camp, he would sit at a different table uh, with different kids. That was like his go-to move. And then you would leave the camp and you're like, I got to have lunch with with Coach Prosser. He asked me where I was from. He asked me what position I played. You know, he asked me my favorite highlight of my career so far. You know what I mean? Like all those coaches have these camp moves that you're like, man, that, you're smiling. He's just like the best guy. So I was ever. duped, is yeah, what you're saying. Right. I, I fell from, so we're talking like over 20 years later. <laughs> So I fell for like a classic no, coaching m- marketing move, and I've been speaking this guy. It's a it's a great trade. It's a great move, but they all have it. They all have it, and then they all have the switch that they can turn where they're just like they're mfing you, and you're like, oh my god! It, the re- the only thing that I saw with Skip Prosser in particular at the camp, one of the camps that I was at, was uh, Chris Paul was there. Chris Paul was about to be a freshman, so he was like doing a little like all the kids were like that's Chris Paul, that's Chris Paul, that's the guy that scored sixty one. Da 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 da. Everyone's freaking out about it. Um, and then there was like some of the other players were in the background. It was like uh, Justin Gray, Teron Downey, and they were at the other basket, and they were kind of like shooting around. They're kind of cutting up, like laughing, you know, but like just shooting around in between while he was talking and introducing him and then he just i can't remember exactly what he said but he he just he just like quickly snapped on them and then it was done you know what i mean and all, everyone else is like sit up straight you know locking <laughs> you attention but like the sweetest person ever and, and such a great coach but like they all have that and when you're a kid you know you get to see both sides you get to see why the the players want to play for them yeah and you also see why the players have such a respect and a reverence for them and i thought it was cool to see bob mckillop in Steph Curry's camp, you know, someone that believed in Steph Curry at the highest level very early on, kind of, you know, be able to to give that type of a camp experience to these kids through Steph Curry. And then we also got to watch all the Curry drills. I feel like I've never seen this much Curry camp coverage ever. They showed his star drill. They showed the make one, bank one. Um, that's a warm place in my heart. Like at our YMCA, that was always the thing that we did, like make one, bank one. It's like a fun little drill. And then to see Steph Curry do it, you're like, this is why this guy's a playground player, right? I mean, he's just he's just having fun out there. He's just like kind of testing himself. Um, and, and the Curry camp experience Getting it very like on on Front Street for the first time was really cool. And McKillop, you pointed that moment out. And then Jay Wright 
he he was like, let me give let me give my cow my guy cow man some love yeah, with a nice little quote to him. We're it. boys. So it was good for USA basketball relations. It was you know good. I mean, that was nice too. I love to see that. It was big for USA <laughs> basketball that I get some kind. Of, they I think they needed that. Right. I think everybody saw it. You know, frankly, um, yeah, no, he <laughs> on that clip. He's just he is such an animated clinician. Like I mean, you always talk about these. There are like when you hear coaches talk, there's like coaches, but the guys who run clinics, some of them are like legendary and. I I feel like McKillop is definitely one of them. I'm sure you encountered a bazillion of these stories with the five star stuff. Um, but yeah, um, he was he was just making this point. McKillop, McKillop's he, a five star guy. I mean, he's a New York guy. I mean, he he came through that camp. I mean, he heard Hubie Brown, right? Like all those guys, every single one of them. You know, they'll, they'll tell you like, oh, if you heard Fratello, if you told, if you if you just got Fratello rolling one of those days, if you heard Patino's early lectures, you would have been ready to smack the floor and go do anything. You know what I mean? I mean, like all those guys talk like that, but it comes from Hubie Brown and Hubie Brown pretty much like, you know, he, he got that same kind of uh, New York clinician makeup from Chuck Taylor and all those early clinicians. So, I mean, it's a very American thing, right? Chuck Taylor used to go to different campuses. Like he went to NC State's campus and is like, I'm going to sell you some, you know, some basketball boys. And, and they're like, what is this game? You know? I'm going like, to sell I mean, you some it, basketball. Just literally, that's all. I said. Yeah. He's going to sell you a game. Sold. <laughs> a new game. You I'm haven't sold. Heard of. If it, to this day, if anybody comes to my door and says that, I'm like, I'm in. Well, I don't even know what it is. Let's go. Is he connected to the Claire B? That, like the, that whole like New York, that's Long Island, right? Claire B's Long Island, I think. Right. Uh, I was just saying that that the through lines are always fascinating to me. Like you know, Claire B has a through line to like the guy who taught him the the guy who taught him the the mic and drill was like uh, a student who like knew went to Claire B camps and then taught at Scream Abdul Jabbar. All this stuff's connected. It's every everything's connected. Every piece matters. But uh, McKillop is so animated when he makes points um, that uh, he's almost like a Southern. I, I mean, I grew up in Southern Baptist churches. Um, he's almost like a Southern Baptist pastor because, <laughs> like, what there's what's really awesome about the clip that I tweeted is. He's intensely like fiery, like making these points. There's a clip of him like from these curry camps where he's talking to one of the kids. And I think he goes over and the kid that he hits in the chest. Some people had a problem with it, but it was like, I think it was one of the Thompson twins. You, you ever seen that clip? He goes over there, mm. hits him in the chest. And he's like, you, I want. And like, you could t- they make this face like, who is what? Um, but <laughs> the kill up, uh, he he like he'll also do this move, which is a total like like Baptist pastor move, where he'll just pull the air out of the room too. Like he'll 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 get mm-hmm. you going, and he know he knows that he's worked you really hard, and he's like, and he gets really still, and he just silently walked over to this railing and just leaned over it, and then he makes this absolutely galaxy brain point about about ball handlers and like quick twitch eyes, which is something I've heard him talk about before. Um, just saying, I don't know how you felt about this particular take that he had, but if that, if that's where you were going with this, but he was just talking for people who haven't seen it. It's on my Twitter, Jay Comment, um, or X, whatever though you want to call it. And he's just talking about he <laughs> his theory is that quick twitch players who are like can make quick decisions basically more often than not grow up in urban environments because of their surroundings, which are busier. So he thinks that trains your eyes. Mm. First of all, what do you think about that take? What do you think about that? I think that's an interesting one. That's a wild one. Being a New York guy, I can see why he thinks that. But what do you think? It's a very New York point. And I, you know, New York point guards and guards in general from the city of New York, they, you know, have a special 
fraternity and you do not say anything that you know knocks the allure of the new york point guard and you know they all have like different detonations for each other it's like stefan Mar- marbury is the baddest point guard from new york city you know you know this this guard i don't even want to say what name because then people will be like it's not that guy's this guy. you know what i mean but everyone has their own like you know designations uh, of who is going to be like you know which new york city point guard they're talking about and every single one of them is like a, a god right you know what i mean and literally there is god sham god so i understand a, a new york guy um you know having that opinion right i mean rick patino is he has that opinion there's nothing like a new york city point god there's literally nothing like a new york city <laughs> I've point never, you've never you know what i mean that like that, i've never heard that that, that was a good that's, one <laughs> that's that's literally what this archbishop is so I, I know archbishop malloy i only yeah, record yeah, yeah. <laughs> literally that's that's what it is that is how new york people view the position but you know i think larry bird had quick quick chit Quick what did twitch he have? eyes oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right. Um, yeah, he could twitch his eyes. Uh, but, you know, he's also not a guard. So I think the point was valid. I also just love the the performance of the whole thing. And that's part of the, the camp, the clinic experience, right? I mean, it really is like performing. It's like doing stand-up or something. I mean, it's it's you, you're one person. You're speaking to a crowd of kids. You have to capture their attention. You have to capture their imagination. You have to storytell. You have to sell. You have to take them here, then bring them back here. And then, you know, it's it's a journey. And, and Bob McKillop kind of, it was a nice snapshot of that kind of moment. And it was also great to see Steph Curry having those moments. I mean, I, did you see the clip? Curry at his camp was talking about the worst play, the worst thing you can do on a basketball court is basically just stand there with your hands out asking for the ball. He's like, you can literally do anything else. You can go screen away. You can back cut. You know, you can do anything else on a basketball court, and it's a better thing than to go stand out with your hands saying, hey, pass me the ball. And if you watch AAU basketball, that's yeah. <laughs> there's one guy with the basketball, and there's four guys saying – Hey, pass me the well, ball. A lot so of, uh, I thought that was a nice moment to see that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Like uh, Davidson, a lot of their, like, I, I've heard their coaches talk about this. Uh, not uh, Davidson propaganda today in Villanova. Um, no, I mean, I've heard <laughs> right. them talk about, like, you know, you hear a lot about, like, 0.5, which at 0.5 decision making, you catch the ball. Within 0.5 seconds, you make a decision. And Villanova operates on this front, I'm pretty sure. Um, mm-hmm. But they do this thing too that like they do 0.5 after you've passed the ball, which is sort of like, it just kind of motivates you to not just stand there. Like you're moving around. And um, no, I, I, I think that's great. Another, another great thing that came out of that was Rob Mahoney, our, our esteemed ringer NBA writer, the, the Dean of our writers, I think he was like, uh, he was like, I can hear Billy Jean over this because Bob McKillop was so animated and I put Billy Jean over it and it actually kind of fit perfectly. So, you know, shout out to Bob McKillop, mm. uh, tip jar to him. He's a legend. Yeah, it's awesome to see. I was really yeah, shout out to Rob Mahoney for Rob Mahoney. He could hear the music, right? There, there's some people that can read the music and there's some people that can hear the music. And uh, if you if you watch that clip, if you can hear the music, you understand what Bob McKillop is talking about, what Curry's talking about. I even see saw Chris Paul talking at his camp, right? The CP3 camp that always happens at Winston-Salem. That was a, a, a stacked group of guards that were there. Reese Beekman looked great. A.J. Hogard looked great for Michigan State. Um, you know, guys like Kobe White, some of the younger NBA guards were there. So th- that was also another camp that was happening. Dame Lillard's camp was happening. Um, there was a lot of camp coverage, and I thought that you and I should – we should own the camp corner – um, in general, but I think Steph Curry got the the most coverage, bar none, and I think he had the best coverage, bar none. I mean, this this has been like a Curry summer a little bit, right? It does feel like 
the whatever it is, and maybe it's it the is doc, the, the PR of it all. It's a big part of it. I right? think it's the yeah. doc, right? Yeah, right. I mean, he's everywhere. He's doing interviews. He's doing hot ones. We're getting little snippets and stories that we've really never gotten from Steph Curry before. Like, I saw he was – was it Howard Stern that they asked him – maybe not Howard Stern, but someone asked him, like, what player that didn't win a championship should win a championship, and he said not Barkley, right? We're seeing, like, a little bit of, you know, like, uh, like fun, like you know, like the, 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 the personality of Steph Curry. It felt like he went away a little bit after the 2016 thing. And uh, he almost became a little reserved, like he was Batman in his cave, and it feels like he's back out and about. So that's Dark Knight. That's he's good back to out see. there, right? Yeah, he's back out there, <laughs> yeah. fighting crime. Yeah, I was gonna say 2017 and 2018 was Rise, and uh, yeah, that, that was that was the Dark Knight Rises. There you go. And then he got Catwoman, aka Kevin Durant, to come in <laughs> and help him out. Um, what did you? Uh, how did Steph do on Hot Ones? I didn't get to see that. I'm a I'm a Spice guy, a no, noted Spice guy among my friends. Uh, how did he do? Did he did he get through in flying colors, or how how did it go? He he got through it pretty clean. Um, it makes sense why he's pretty unfazed. I mean, he you know it doesn't seem like he is too pressed at any moment, right? It seems like he's having fun, having a conversation. So Steph Curry, he can pass the test, right? He, he's not. Who do you think would that. win between? We should do this. I'm gonna. We should ask Brandon Payne if he would ever let us do some of the the Steph like the standard Steph drills. We, that's an that's a content oh, idea for us. Who would win between us? Like I I I would be curious to see that because you talk you were more of like a forward type, right? Were you a per, were you getting shots up? Uh, you know who do you think would win? Yeah, I, think? I'm I'm a shooting guard. I but you know when I was younger I was taller so I played power forward. But I was like you know I was like Kevin Durant stretch four. You know what I mean in FIBA basketball. I'm like I'm, t- I'm gonna pull you out here a little baseline jumper here or there. I mean I did a uh, people forget the ringer. I've seen it um, once upon a time. I've seen it. I, I had to do the the three point shootout, um, and they basically set that up to try to embarrass me. I'm pretty sure. Like there was no way that anyone was trying to do that to make me look good. That's for sure. Um, and I didn't even I wasn't even ready for that moment in time. But it it was better than it could have gone uh, for sure. But yeah, I mean, I love playing basketball. I would I would play any day. And uh, I think if Brandon Payne will co sign us using these drills and filming it. Why not? Why not? I think the whole ringer basketball crew should do it. And everyone should do it without, um, you know, just do it for fun. Like, don't do it trying to be, you know, like we're not in the NBA. We get it. You know what I mean? Just, Just do it for fun. Yeah, and I'm just spitballing here, you know, uh, just just an idea for Spotify. I'm just floating this out there, just off the top of my head, <laughs> like a hundred k bonus for whoever wins. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, right. Austin Rivers can't right. do it. He can't be in it. Anybody that was like a is like a real Roger Bell cannot be in it. Yeah. Yes. No. I I feel I saw no actual no actual ringers, just the other ringers. Yes. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I feel pretty good. I mean, like, you know, I saw it. I was, I'm, I feel pretty, I'm a pretty confident shooter. You know, I saw your footage. Chris Ryan was a little better than I thought. On He, he did pretty well. He got it up there. He, you know, kept his elbow straight. I, I felt pretty good about that. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, tr- I'm not talking trash to you, Tate. I'm just saying, you know, I, I, I would like to see it. I still shoot a lot. So you, you'll have to get, get in a good rhythm and we'll see. We'll have to have a gentleman's, you know, uh, of course this is all contingent on Brandon Payne agreeing to do this. So we'll, we'll do that and we'll, we'll report back to our yeah, audience please. about it. We'll, we'll we'll do our work and then maybe we start our own ringer basketball camp. It's like Stephen A. Smith's new camp. With IMG. We have to just find, we have to, we have to like, we have to call up like prolific prep or like, uh, you know, like Bishop Gorman or like, Maybe one of these Harvard Westlake, who knows? Uh, Notre Dame High School is close by where I live, and we get them to co-sign the event. 
Um, and then we run a camp and then uh, we get the content. Like Stephen A got so much free content out of his basketball camp. And then he just attacked the haters. I mean, he literally got his doctor to come on to talk about how how smashed up his kneecap was. Um, and that's why he wasn't in the NBA. Um, and this doctor's like, I concur. That is true. That is why he's not in the NBA. Like that is the type of stuff that we need. We need to we need to be creating content it's at the brilliant. highest level. Um, and it starts with the camp. And uh, again, we we want to be on the basketball camp corner. If you have basketball camp stories, please reach out. People to us. Um, people have to have them. Like like I, I I'm being oh, dead right. serious. But please tweet. I'll retweet them. I want to hear people's ba- like basketball camp horror stories. stories or legendary stories. I want to hear them because uh, so yeah, much wild stories, stuff. Horror happen. stories. Yeah. I uh, my roommate at one basketball camp. He you could get pizza for like five bucks or ten bucks. Um, like, and he bought like a bunch of like boxes. This is at Granville Towers in Chapel Hill. This is at Roy Williams basketball camp. He bought a bunch of like the pizzas like in mass. And then he went back to the dorms and people were coming back from games and like, you would have to go somewhere else to go get pizzas. So he bought up all the pizzas. Wow. So there weren't pizzas. And then he started selling the pizzas at a higher value. And the kid made a ton of money. And then he went to Franklin street and he bought like four or five jerseys, all this other stuff for himself. And it was the most baller move I've ever seen. And then his jerseys got stolen. And it was like this whole controversy. They were looking at the cameras. Who stole the jerseys? Da-da-da-da. He ended up getting the jerseys. Someone did the classic move where – this is how you know whoever stole the jerseys was like probably a, a private school kid. Um, they, they did the thing where they're like, uh, we're going to leave the door open – and if so, if the jerseys are back in the room by nine o'clock, like no harm, no foul. And then all of a sudden, Kyle, man, the jerseys are back in the room. Uh, you know, it's all thing. But like that kid deserved his jerseys because it was a it was a genius movie. Basically, just he was like supply and demand, baby. I'm going to go genius. buy up all the pizzas and then I'm going to sell them at a higher price. So th- that there are also business geniuses made at basketball camp, folks. It's not just basketball players. I had a buddy who did that at Moorhead where like a lot of the old dorms didn't have grounded wall outlets. So he went and bought all the converters in the whole city. And he charged. Mm. He sold them for like five <laughs> bucks a pop to all the the families that were coming in. It was genius. smart. I, I just don't have that kind of brain. I admire people that do. But yeah, hit us with your uh, specifically like big school like camps. I want to hear like co- like major notable coaches. Like you know, if you went to some you know mm. camp, great. If you got a crazy story, I want to hear it. But I, I'm I'm interested in hearing like like the Patino ones. Like I just heard so many legendary stories about about Patino. But, uh, I'd be I'd love to hear them. Rick Pitino fought Pete Carrill, famous Princeton coach, literally got in a fist fight with him um, in the middle of one of his lectures at Five Star. That's how you know that Rick Pitino brings the heat. And uh, that was one of my favorite stories from the whole Five Star thing, that Pete Carrill and Rick Pitino fought each other. Um, and it all started because they played the coaches would play basketball at lunch. So that, that's when the tiff started, and they literally just started fighting each other. And then you got like – you know, Seth Greenberg's in there in the mix. I mean, the, these are the things that happen in basketball camp. So like you said, send the stories in, tell us the stories. We'll share them uh, with the people, with the friends of the program. We love that. Um, speaking of fights and brawls, Wonder one last we thing before that. we get out of here. We got to tell this is, we have one, uh, there are two shout outs. The first shout out is shout out to the Pac-4. Um, there are four teams left in the Pac-12 right now. There's been a mass exodus. I, I'm going to try to have uh, our boy uh, Eamon Brennan to come on and talk about some of this stuff that's happening. Uh, the Pac-4, there is Cal, there is Stanford, there is Oregon State, there is Washington State, a.k.a. Wazoo. Um, I think Washington and Oregon, 
they should, you know, we should give them some side eyes for leaving their two other state schools. I don't like the move. The ACC is talking to Stanford and Cal. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. But right now, there's four teams in the Pac-12. So I wanted to shout them out. We're going to talk about that at a later date because we had to talk about the Team USA stuff. But I'm pouring one out for them. Um, and and we're praying for you. Thoughts and prayers to the Pac-4. Um, they deserved more. Shout out to Bill Walton as well, because my goodness, I know he's struggling right now. The Conference of Champions has, has taken a major hit, uh, including his own alma mater and the school that his son went to as well. They have all left um, and abandoned ship for two different co- two different conferences, by the way. So now his two schools don't even play each other. But we'll, we'll talk about it at a later date. But let's talk about this boat brawl, because this is um, one of the wildest things that you know has happened um, in pop culture in, in quite some time. It, it is, um, if you're online, you've probably seen the footage. There was a, a big, you know, for lack of a better term, just a complete street brawl um, in Alabama. It all started with a pontoon boat, and that's how usually that's the brawl most brawl starts. Start. And, and alcohol, yeah. <laughs> yeah, alcohol, pontoon boat, um, parking at a lake. Uh, you know, there, there's always going to be some problems there. Um, uh, a pontoon boat full of... Uh, you know, some Alabama boys and, and a family and, 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 you know, a whole group, they attacked a security guard um, who was telling them to move their pontoon boat. And uh, there was footage of this. And then there was the reaction of the workers um, and, the, quite frankly, the black community. It was, it was an all-white boat against a single black man uh, who was a security guard. And as soon as the man threw his hat up in the air like Bobby Shmurda, it was on. Um, it was like a signal that <laughs> today is the day, and uh, I have never seen anything like it. It was like a WWE level um, video. Shout out to all the people that captured the video of this. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. Kyle, man, I mean, there was a guy that swam across the channel to help the lone security guard that was basically getting jumped. He was getting jumped by the whites that came off the boat, um, and and then all of a sudden, the reinforcements came in. This was literally the culture war um, spelled out in front of us. Our guy, Van Lathan, he was having a field day with this. He, I mean, he, he thought this was the, the funniest thing ever. Um, there was a folding chair that was used at one point to knock a that's, man That's out. the first thing I saw. That's the first thing I saw. The first image oh I saw was, was not only a folding chair, which is wild enough to – you just don't see that in day-to-day life, but also the fact that where the dude was stepping from made me laugh so hard I was crying. Like the guy – you just see this dude in his 50s with his shirt off taking a step off of like the – I don't even know what that is, the railing of this riverboat or wherever it was. And I was like, how did he, (laughs) my mind was racing. I was like, how did he end up there to begin with? And so just the fact that he was trying to step back up onto the boat and his foot was on the little tie thing for the dock. Um, Yeah, that, that was just, that was the point. I mean, yeah, it escalated to the point where, you know, people are throwing punches my, yeah, there, there are rule, there's rules of engagement where it's like there was a bridge too far, probably at some point. Definitely the second chair um, over the defenseless, defenseless woman on she the was ground. Just sitting I think on that's the when ground. the brawl was. Yes, that was like. I think that's when the brawl was over. That's when it. That's when it was like okay. The, there's crazy, and then there's it's crazy. All done here. Yeah, right. it's like come on, man. <laughs> yeah. There's always the kids. There's rules of engagement out there. Yeah, that, there's something that you see, and you're like, okay, that that was too yeah. much. But also, I mean, it all started in a very raw 
wrong place uh, with basically one man that was about to get jumped by a bunch of drunk people from a pontoon boat. And it led to this cultural uh, moment in time. And um, a lot of people got comedy. The, the kid that swam across the channel to help the security guard who was by himself, um, he's getting all types of nicks, nicknames. You know what I mean? People are calling him uh, Scuba Gooding Jr., um, Jermichael Phelps. I mean, th there's just so much comedy and content. So, um, thank you to all the people that that have shared that content. Um, who, the the girl who even took the first video that I saw, her color commentary, um, like as if it was a game. You know what I mean? Like it was. They should hire her yeah. at ESPN. I mean, she was incredible. She set the scene really well. You knew immediately like the stakes of what was happening. This man was just trying to do his job. And he was literally trying to be nice and tell these people to move their boat. And it escalated so quickly. And she captured the whole thing. And a lot of people did. More and more videos kept trickling out. But I have never in my life seen something like this in yeah. real life. I mean, it, it did look like out of a movie. And it probably, knowing how Hollywood works and the fact that there are no writers right now, it probably will be a movie written by AI very well, soon. But um, I have never. There's a lot of life. history and stuff that people have written about that you can go find that, the, like, the, just the layers to this, the historic the things that have happened There's at so the many dock it's yes. just mind blowing right and uh yeah and i don't blame i mean like you know i normally i don't chris vernon sent us that tweet earlier about uh the matt barnes thing sometimes my violence is never the answer but sometimes it is and if you watch that video from right. beginning to end it's just like yeah i mean the, they jumped the like uh, i've never rooted for people like i could not stop laughing whenever the camera angle switched and we're suddenly looking up the dock and you see that you see these people filing filtering out of the boat and the guys that they do that there's a certain skip that grown men do that they don't really do in any other area of life and it's like when it's getting ready to go down this like they were so mm -hmm. excited they did this like heel skip and it was like what's up basically it's the what's up skip it was it was a pretty good one you don't and you knew something and you could tell that the guys on the boat realized that they'd screwed up um but i i just could not stop laughing at, at them coming in like the calvary dude that was that it killed me oh my god like you said the reality of this is that this is there, there's a lot of history and pent-up frustration there's obviously the 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 dynamics the racial dynamics of this whole situation which is at the highest level but the way that Twitter was able to capture this moment and the comedy uh, of the entire thing, I mean, it was it was a moment. And uh, you know what I mean? I, I just uh, I appreciate it. You and I and, and tons of people um, were engaging with this, uh, you know, watching this. Uh, all, all, all break down. And again, Van Lathan is probably the best person to go to um, in the Ringer universe for these types of things because uh, Van, is, Van is hilarious. He's also Louisiana boy, so he knows oh, what's yeah. going on um, oh, in yeah. the Deep South. So he... I feel like he he got like he got able to, you know some of his frustrations out via this um, incident, right? And rightfully so, because you know obviously that's a whole different conversation. How deep all that sort of stuff is rooted um, down there and in the south where I'm from, you know, and, and in Kentucky. I mean, it, it just it, it's everywhere. It's pervasive. Um, so this is one of those moments where it was just like um, comedic relief, also a lot of layers to the whole thing. But uh, a little. I, uh, I, um, 
little college basketball tie-in though. Whenever the chair was up in the air, uh, it kind of it stirred up memories of Silvio D'Souza for uh, for Kansas. You know, yeah. holding the holding the, <laughs> which is still one of the more famously held the chair. Did not use the chair though. Um, that's what the, the, I mean. Honestly, he needs to be vindicated because he did not actually use the chair, and if he and he got treated like he did use the chair, and it looks like based on the reaction of the public, if he did use the chair, people may have supported him. You know what I mean? As long as he didn't do it the second time, the first time people were like, okay. I, I, I see it. You know, this guy, obviously, he's, he's going in. Um, but D'Souza, uh, shout out to him. He needs his vindication. He actually didn't do anything. The picture uh, did not do him any justice. Um, and he got suspended for the picture. He just picked up the chair and put it down. Bob Knight threw a chair. You know sure. what I mean? I mean, the, the, he never, yeah, he layers. didn't get punished, right? You know, <laughs> right, right. He was fine. People loved it. They just kept, they just kept saying how great it was. Uh, they keep talking. We still, we're still talking about it. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that was a crazy moment in time. Um, Kyle, man, I'm glad that we are on the uh, the same coast. I'm glad we were able to talk about USA basketball. You and I will keep you uh, and all the friends of the program up to date on what's happening in USA basketball. In fact, we're going to go watch the end of the game currently that's happening. We'll see what this team looks like. I feel like I didn't mention it enough. Cam Johnson is going to be a nice piece for this team. I think Cam Johnson is going to be really good. As far as shooting, I think he's going to be a nice piece. So, I, I feel like I didn't give him enough love. He also got some love from some people for his shot making. The relationship between him and Bridges, I think it's nice to have on a team. They kind of keep people loose. They're kind of like thing one and thing two right there. <laughs> they feel like they're characters from Dr. Seuss, right? They might just come out there and, and, and just make everybody have a good, a good wonky, wacky time. You know what I mean? And, uh, and play some fun basketball. So um, that's it. Kyle, man, anything else before we get out of here? I got to go to bed. I am running on fumes. I can't even say, I, I was saying smells, morning smells. So I, I'm not all there tonight, but uh, you know, it, it's been a great time chatting with you and I'm glad we, uh, we got to break it all down. Rest up, man. Enjoy Asheville. Enjoy the weird place. Enjoy the coffee, the food, the drink. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely, scenic, beautiful place. I love Asheville. When I get to visit, I need to go back, but rest up, Tate. It was good to see you. Good to, good to chat with you. Yeah, of course. And uh, Asheville Championship. I am a tournament ambassador again, yet again. This is year three for me. And uh, if you're around tomorrow, you'll see the uh, bracket reveal for the Asheville Championship. I am doing that, recording that um, in Asheville. I believe it's going to come out on Wednesday. But we got Kevin Willard in Maryland here. We got Brad Brunell in Clemson here. UAB and Andy Kennedy. And the new era, the new era of the Davidson Wildcats uh, post Bob McKillop. So, Four good teams, probably the best four teams, the best field we've had at the Asheville Championship. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and that's what I'm going to be doing for the next two days. So I'll be in Asheville and then we're figuring out what it looks like. You'll be in Sweden for the next two weeks. So the next two Mondays will be uh, filling in for Kyle Mann. Um, that's just the cleanup duty here. But again, this is One Shining Podcast. Appreciate everybody listening and we will see you on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.